Hey everyone and welcome to Screams After Midnight. I am Peter, I'm joined by Tim, and this is our weekly horror movie news, which will now be weekly now that Tim's back from Australia, you little menace. <laughs> uh, how many kangaroos punched you? I'm curious. I uh, didn't punch any, uh, <laughs> but I, I did get to feed quite a number of uh of kangaroos well that's good because they may have punched you otherwise they may have said this <laughs> this dick from america is not giving us food oh it was it was kind of funny because we went to uh i mean we you know my wife uh me and my wife we you know, like to do like a lot of animal stuff so we went to at least six like zoos slash aquariums slash animal sanctuaries and uh <clears throat> the the one you go to you can feed the kangaroos like we went into this kind of big open area and we saw like two or three kangaroos and so we're giving them like all of our food and then uh you know we're kind of like oh this is uh nice but i wonder why there aren't that many other people here and then we kind of walked a little further down this path and like it opens up into this much much bigger area that had like 50 kangaroos and like <laughs> all these people feeding them and i was like oh no like we already gave away so much of our food uh, <laughs> but yeah they're just yeah there's a ton there um they're very nice got to feed them got to eat oh uh, <laughs> some of them uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we we did have kangaroo steak uh which was actually pretty good um so, yeah, I, love, kind of... I love I love that you went to visit some kangaroos and then left it but you know what I'm in the mood for now some kangaroos <laughs> they're truly truly beautiful creatures and then uh but yeah you you know, might as well uh you know try to eat them uh, I saw one lick its own balls which was kind of funny um and then I, I tried to get a, some video of it to send you but uh, he, stopped, <laughs> he stopped doing it by the time I took my camera out uh now what what i love about um this uh we spent a lot of time in tasmania which uh, australia itself is cool but i really really like tasmania and what i like about it is that it's similar to me because it's basically this like little place that's just obsessed with like three to four different animals <laughs> like everywhere you go they have like uh there's either like a tasmanian devil or an echidna or a wombat or like a kangaroo or a wallaby on it. Like, you know, every like restaurant, every t-shirt or little shop, like always just has like one of those animals on it. And it's great. They know they're a touristy place. They understand it. Sure. Yeah. Get it. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so this is a horror movie news show. Um, and looking at the horror movie news for this week, I actually have a couple of things from last week because obviously we skipped a couple of weeks with Tim away on vacation and there was one or two things that had to kind of be talked about. There was a couple of things that had to be brought forward uh, and, and discussed. I feel like I probably missed a lot too because I didn't have too much access to like the, you know, I, I basically wasn't using my phone unless I was like back at the hotel with Wi-Fi. So mm. yeah, I just got kind of brief glimpses of like what new stuff is, but I feel like I didn't really see anything. So I'm sure I missed a lot. I actually, early on in your trip, I tweeted out something from the Screams Twitter that oh. <laughs> looked like it was coming from you. Okay. And <laughs> I don't believe that most people realize that it was actually me doing this. I tweeted a Photoshop <laughs> of uh, like a plane wing and mm-hmm. it just said, I think I saw something on the wing on, the, on my way to Australia and it was like Leprechaun on the wing. And, <laughs> and it was the sort of thing that you would usually tweet and no one realized that. And I mentioned to some people later and basically the giveaway is that the Photoshop was much better than yours usually are. <laughs> and, that's, and that's how you could tell it was me and not you. <laughs> 
<laughs> I have to go back and check that out. Because yeah, uh, that sounds good. Unlike Tim, I don't use Microsoft Paint to uh, do my <laughs> to do my photoshops. So <laughs> yeah, it's not like I'm trying to win some awards or anything here. Come on, uh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's dive into some uh, horror videos. So first up, so we we have a new Texas Chainsaw movie mm-hmm. in the works. Uh, so it broke, it broke in September that Ferry Alvarez, uh, you know, who directed Evil Dead and Don't Breathe, is producing a new new Texas Chainsaw film. Mm-hmm. Um, and now we have writers. We have Ryan and Andy Tohill, who wrote The Dig. Uh, they will direct the reboot. Uh, okay. And Are we supposed to know what that is? I, I don't know what it is either. Like, do you know what's amazing? <laughs> is that we watch like so many new horror movies mm-hmm. every single year. We go out of our way to find them. And yet, I feel like almost every single one of these news items will say, oh, this guy did this, or this woman did <laughs> this. And I'm like, how have I not heard of this? We, we, we watch nothing but horror movies all year long. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, and it's going to be written by Chris Thomas Devlin. So they've got like a team in place. Ryan and Andy Toll do the directing. Mm-hmm. Chris Thomas Devlin's doing the uh, the writing, the, the script. So uh, this is what Alvarez said about it. Uh, Tohill's vision, uh, or the Tohill's vision, is exactly what the fans want. It's violent, <laughs> exciting, and so depraved that it will stay with you forever. Now, mm. the last one was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one before that I actually really liked, but not because it was good, mm-hmm. because it was fun sure. bad. Yeah. And then a lot of crummy sequels before that as well, So and reboots and prequels to reboots and all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see. Uh, apparently Legendary was hoping to kickstart a new franchise with this. So how much of a, of a reboot that is? It does say that it's it's meant to be connected to the original film in some way. So it almost sounds like it's going to be doing Texas Chainsaw again, where it's a kind of a, a semi-sequel to the original yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, I mean, whatever. At this point, the timeline's so convoluted. Just As long as you have a guy swinging a chainsaw around, that's fine. <laughs> Don't even try to... <laughs> it's, it's too far gone to make any sense about it, but... I mean, I mean, if it if it I mean if it's saying that it's it's, it's in some way connected, it could mean because because Texas Chainsaw from twenty thirteen very mm-hmm. much tried to be like a proper sequel set years later. I wonder mm-hmm. if this will just be another Texas Chainsaw story, which technically you could count as a sequel to the first one, but ultimately doesn't really matter that much. You know, it's, sure. you know, yeah. some people find the house and they find Leatherface and chainsaw shenanigans happen and that's all it needs to happen yeah I, I feel like you know sometimes with these movies people go out of their way to make it you know uh to have some type of continuity or timeline or, or whatever but really at the end of the day if it's good no one cares like yeah mm-hmm. if it's a, a good movie yeah who cares if it's you know the 12th reboot or you know a sequel to the fourth movie or you know whatever just just do it make it good how many of these are we on, actually, hon? Because there was four, and then the remake, the prequels, six, Texas Chainsaw 7, Letterfish was 8. So this will be the ninth. This will be the ninth mm-hmm. Texas Chainsaw movie. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, ho- hopefully it's good, and uh, hopefully if it, you know, uh, does well and gets people interested uh, in the franchise again, uh, you know, maybe they can work something out to have a real nice little Blu-ray set. <laughs> Because so, even though most of the movies suck, I would, uh, yeah, I, I love my big franchise box sets. Of course you do. Um, this one <laughs> may have the most kind of resets in it in any franchise, though, because mm-hmm. we had a remake and then a prequel to the remake and then a sequel to the original that ignored all the other sequels and then a mm-hmm. prequel to the original movie and now we're <laughs> going to have another sequel to the original that ignores all the other sequels, including the previous sequel that ignored all the other sequels. 
So yeah. it's getting convoluted. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. It's always great for a franchise when you need like a chart <laughs> to, before watching the movie. Uh, a little uh, like a flow diagram. <laughs> it's fine if it's consistent because Godzilla did this thing where Godzilla, like uh, not necessarily early on, but once Godzilla was in like the nineties and stuff, they did this thing where every single movie was just a sequel to the original. Like none of them connected to each other, but that was every single one. It was like no, it's just always like a Godzilla story set after the original film, uh, but That's not. not bad. So at least it was consistent where you knew that every single time, whereas this is a lot more yeah. all over the place. Uh, so next up, uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which is supposed to be a mm. horror movie, uh, <laughs> lost its director. And mm. the buzz now is that Sam Raimi is in talks to direct mm. the Doctor Strange mm. sequel, which, <laughs> of course, he's a noble horror director. <laughs> and, of course, there's a Doctor Strange reference in Spider-Man 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, if, if, if people go back and watch that, there's a reference when they're trying to name Doc Ock. They, they call him Doctor Strange at one point. Oh, yeah. So, fun little Easter egg there that may have some, you know, foreshadowing, uh, you know, inadvertently <laughs> on it. Um. I mean, I don't really like Sam Raimi that much outside of the Evil Dead movies, so I'm not exactly caring that much about this. Not that I really care about Doctor Strange either. So, I, I mean, I'm just kind of whatever about the whole thing. <laughs> but you you probably care more, so. Oh, yeah, no, this was, uh, yeah, this this was super exciting for me. Uh, you know, 2020 seems to be the year that uh, <laughs> has made just for me. <laughs> it seems like all the news uh, is pertaining to my interest, but um no i mean i uh i do love sam raimi so anything with him uh attached definitely gets me more excited uh, i guess the only thing that makes me a little hesitant is you know uh is that they're putting him into this marvel machine where you know you kind of wonder all right are, are we going to get that sam raimi touch like is he big enough that maybe he'll be able to put a little bit of a stamp on it or you know is this going to just be another marvel movie like is he going to you know, have to kind of work in this system that, you know, I, I feel like we've seen, you know, other notable directors kind of, you know, uh, not be able to do their best work or even have to, you know, end up leaving because, you know, it's it's kind of hard to work with like, you know, these kind of large whatever, you know, corporate. Yeah, it depends if it's ja- over you, but it depends if he jives with whatever they're wanting to do. Like, given that he did the yeah. Spider-Man movies, which weren't, I mean, they had some Sam Raimi stuff in there, but they, were, they also felt like superhero movies. So sure. I, yeah. I, I feel like he probably can fit in there uh, mm-hmm. and do it. Uh, it's worth mentioning that, you know, Elizabeth Olsen is going to reprise the role of Scarlet Witch, and this is going to in some way connect to the One Division series, which is mm-hmm. coming out at the end of the year. Uh, it's coming out in December. So we'll see, uh, see how that shapes up. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean... Admittedly, I'll say this is a lot more interesting than the first Doctor Strange movie, just because it has so much more things going on. Sure. Uh, but and maybe the the horror kind of bent to this will maybe maybe give Sam Raimi more of his voice than you yeah. know even Spider Man you know one or two did. So yeah, no, I mean uh, yeah, it's definitely more exciting and interesting, but uh, it's also a you know wait and see kind of thing. Like uh, I I don't know. I, I mean I would definitely be for it, you know if we're getting like full Raimi and full-on weird horrific doctor strange uh i'm totally for it but uh you know it's kind of weird that like i don't know uh, like i I, I, don't get me wrong you know i love you know whenever they decide to make anything horror but i never really thought of like doctor strange as being like this big horror comic like it's a it's a weird comic so you have monsters in other dimensions and like you know maybe horror looking bad guys and stuff but it's never like the kind of book that you think of like 
oh yeah man that's a scary book like who <laughs> you know uh, so terrifying but uh so it, it's weird that they seem like so insistent on like oh no it's gonna be a horror movie so i feel like they even said that when the first one came out that they were like oh yeah this is like the first horror mo- movie in the marvel universe and not really uh, yeah it wasn't i mean they're claiming this one really is but well i mean we'll see <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. well you know i mean is this something that we'll review on streams probably not i don't know but i mean they're saying it's a horror movie and sam raimi's obviously a horror director so I, we can't yeah. we have to talk about it at least here but i don't know it's just weird uh next up so universal of course uh tried to do the dark multiverse or the dark universe mm-hmm. rather uh before they succeeded they did not succeed at all <laughs> it failed at the very first hurdle uh so Lee Wiles' Invisible Man's coming out soon, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, obviously, mm-hmm. Paul Feig also has his Dark Army in the works, which is going to have a bunch of different characters. And then we also have Elizabeth Banks directed The Invisible Woman uh, in the works. Mm-hmm. So we have a, a few different things that are related to the, the Universal Monster movies kind of, you know, ongoing. And uh, what's interesting is that we have a new one uh, to add to things, and it's kind of Ooh. closer to Paul Feig's Dark Army and that it's going to be kind of an okay. ensemble thing. And uh, it's going to be called Monster Mash, Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> and it's a, an original musical film uh, directed by <laughs> Matt Stwoski, who directed Side Effects, written by Will Widger. Uh, so uh, Stwoski is a Grammy-nominated music video editor. Uh, he will make his feature debut with the film. Uh, the idea has been kept close to the vest. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a Universal Monster movie musical okay <laughs> so i think it's very interesting that they're clearly trying mm-hmm. a lot of different things because it sounds like obviously invisible man is a full-on horror movie dark mm-hmm. army sounds more like an action horror thing comedy or whatever and then you have uh the invisible woman which feels like it may veer away from the horror of the invisible man and be something a little bit different and i didn't even mention uh, dexter fletcher's working on renfield we're getting a renfield movie which <laughs> you know i think will be more sort of psychological horror focus because of the character it's focused on so mm-hmm. i mean none of these as far as we know are going to connect i mean maybe invisible women will connect to invisible man i mean that's possible mm-hmm. but uh, right now my guess is these are all completely standalone which is maybe the, the right choice honestly just to make good mm-hmm. movies that are different and obviously some yeah. i'm more excited for than others i don't like musicals so i mean i'm all, I'm, I'm immediately <laughs> out of this one you know i'm good yeah i, I mean i'm kind of curious like uh what the tone is gonna be like is it going to actually try to be like a horror movie just you know with songs and stuff or it can musicals you know? musicals can't i can't take them seriously they have to be lighthearted in tone because otherwise sure. they just don't work <laughs> yeah yeah no i, I mean i that, that seems hard to imagine and obviously monster mash like you know you're gonna think of the song and i'm assuming that the song will be in there at some point uh which you know obviously is not like a very horror thing it's like a very comedic yeah. uh you know parody song you would think it'd probably be the big finale song, right? If the movie's called yeah. that. Yeah, they finally you know, get to do the mash at the end. Um, <laughs> but I mean, uh, it still could be fun, though. Like, you know, I don't want to poo-poo it or anything. Um, oh, I will. Yeah. I'll poo-poo it. I'll poo-poo it all day. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. I guess, like, 
I mean, I guess it's like the only IP that like Universal kind of has. <laughs> well, they have that, and they have Fast and Furious, which does have oh, okay. a, a ninth movie coming out. In fact, side tangent: Did you hear that? So they had they greenlit three films at the same time, right? So the ninth, tenth, and eleventh okay. were all greenlit at the same time. But apparently, right now, the scuttlebutt is that the next two after nine aren't going to be ten, eleven. They're going to be ten part one and ten part two okay which <laughs> that seems strange <laughs> given that it's not based in something because at least i mean i don't like that they did this but at least with harry potter and hunger games and all those other things mm. they were splitting sure. a book in two so there, there, there at least was a reason why it was called part one and part two of those things like yeah just just say 10 11 or two parter like it's fine like oh, yeah that's <laughs> that's very strange <laughs> there's a pretension that goes along with that i think yeah. that i just don't like <laughs> anyway uh next up are you ready for more the thing? Uh, sure. So, <laughs> so uh, the thing. Obviously, we've had three technically of these movies so far. Cause we had the original fifties one, which is you know sort of a bit, a bit goofier, you know, sci-fi fifties mm-hmm. movie. Then we have John Carpenter's classic, absolute masterpiece of a film mm-hmm. uh, from nineteen eighty. And then we have the 2011 kind of prequel, but also kind of a remake uh, with Muriel with Winstead, who I like a lot, but obviously that movie is just bland as shit. Uh, Mm. Well, we have a fourth potential one in the the works here. Uh, So, yes, uh, so the original, so the first movie and John Carpenter's movie are both adaptations of the novella Who Goes There by John W. Campbell Jr. Um, It was first published in August 1938, an issue of Astounding Science Fiction. So, uh, what's happening now is that uh, uh, John uh, Betancourt uh, in 2018 announced the discovery of a novel-length version of the classic novella, and he took a Kickstarter to fund the release of the novel uh, called Frozen Hell. So, there's an extended version of the story, the original book, there's an extended version of that, which was Kickstarted to be released. Right, so now there's going to be a movie in the works. Something like that, I'd I'd feel like, wouldn't need to be, like, kick-started. Like, I feel like a book company could, you know, easily sell that. Like, the lost, you know, movie that inspired the classic. You Or, you know, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, you would think. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Uh, But anyway, so... Uh, so, Betancourt explained, in 1930, acclaimed science fiction author John W. Campbell published a novella who goes there about a team of scientists in Antarctica who discover and are terrorized by a monstrous, shape-shifting alien entity. The story would later be adapted into John Carpenter's iconic movie, The Thing, followed by an earlier film at- following an earlier film adaptation in 1951. The published novella was actually an abridged version of Campbell's original story called Frozen <laughs> Hell, which had to be shortened for publication. The Frozen Hell manuscript remained unknown and unpublished for decades, and it was only recently rediscovered. Uh, Frozen Hell expands the thing story dramatically, giving vital backstory and context to an already incredible tale. Uh, so, Bancourt provided an incredibly exciting update on the fully funded project, announcing that Bloomhouse and Universal Studios are adapting Frozen Hell. So, obviously, Universal actually made the last two movies. Uh, so, they're stepping in. Bloomhouse are going to do it because uh, they're the people who do horror movies now. Uh, so, yeah, so this is... So, do you know what's interesting about this? Is that, that? Uh, to me, is that it says that it adds all this context and backstory, and part of me's thinking, like, I don't know if I want more backstory. <laughs> like, sure. I, I actually kind of <laughs> like the mystery and the thing. And one of the things that I hated about the 2011 version is that it took 
the stuff that they, they found in the you know in, in Carpenter's movie and mm-hmm. added so much to it that it took all the mystery away from it. And don't, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, maybe all this stuff that's in the book is something that I can't even imagine, and it's going to be amazing, and it'll be this interesting. I mean, but at the same time, I am kind of excited just because this is actually a far more valid reason to go back and do it again sure. than most remakes or most you know. Yeah, I mean, I think arguably this would be more of a readaptation than a remake, if that makes sense. Right, right. But I, I mean, no, that, that's totally fair. But I mean, no one ever calls them that. <laughs> like yes. <the> other. <laughs> um, I I think it definitely sounds interesting. Like, uh, yeah, this piques my interest. And like you said, you know, more than just like a straight remake, like uh, giving this context and stuff, it sounds a little more interesting. Uh, the only thing that kind of I don't know, like it maybe gives me a little bit of pause is like, I've never ever heard anyone talk about, you know, the original story. Like, you know, I, I mean, maybe the expanded version is like a masterpiece or whatever, but, uh, you know, it, it's not like something like I am legend or, uh, you know, like the hunting of Hill house or, or whatever, where, you know, um, you know, like even if there are adaptations of it, like, you know, people still say, but, Oh yeah. Like, you know, the book's amazing or whatever. Like I've never heard, you know, heard anyone say like, oh yeah, thing's such a great movie and if you like it, you should read the you know, the book or the story that inspired it. You know. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. Um it, Again, a, it could be good. I'm I'm just saying, like, yeah, I've yeah. never heard anything about it. <laughs> if nothing else, this is a curiosity, but I mean right now we have no director, we have nothing to be excited about from the film and you know, in terms of the mm-hmm. actual production and That's true too. <laughs> and even yeah, if that's like it's I don't know, like uh whatever, Paul Wes Anderson or, or something <laughs> doing it. <laughs> why would you go there why would you go there Tim that's just hurts uh, even if the even if the movie ends up being really good like the chances of it even coming close to Carpenter's because Carpenter's is like a masterpiece and considered a masterpiece you know yeah. like that is a tall order to stand up to but I'm also not surprised that Universal as soon as they learned about this went hey that's a good reason to do it again <laughs> like yeah where sure. we have this this whole thing and Bloomhouse of course being in on it's a, an interesting thing um and so I, well, I do wonder, like you know, with Bloomhouse, like you know, they did get you know Carpenter to come back to do like the score for Halloween and stuff, and like mm. I wonder if they will. Um, I mean, like it seems like a long shot to have him direct it or anything, but I wonder if they will try to get him his involvement in it somehow. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. I wonder if yeah they could. They could. I mean, it's not impossible. I mean, that, even that's Bloomhouse again as well. So uh, they yeah. totally could. Uh, so, I mean, I'm kind of conflicted because I think that the idea for this and why you'd want to do this is actually far more valid than normal. I am still in a bit of a kick these days about not bringing franchises back, but mm-hmm. at least this has an interesting reason <laughs> as opposed to sure. most of the other things that come back. I mean, yeah. are you excited for Lethal Weapon 5, Tim, with everyone <laughs> who's in their 70s? Yeah. yeah uh... <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I've... Um... I mean, I've ranted about this before as well. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, I, I mean, it, it's tough because I, I do like franchises on the one hand, but um, I feel like the stuff they do nowadays, it's not like, it's not so much continuing franchises as just, you know, like cheap nostalgia mm-hmm. kicks, you know, to, because uh, I'm all for continuing stuff like, um, you know, uh, like we always talk about, well, and, you know, we as a, uh, you know, the horror community in general, like, you know, a lot of people will talk about wanting, um, you know, a new Friday or a new nightmare or whatever. And uh, that'd be great. I mean, I, I would definitely love that. But uh, I want them to continue it, 
you know, like they do with the original sequels. And but, you know, if they do it nowadays, it's going to be like, oh, you know, we're going to remember this line or like, oh, remember this from this iconic mm. moment from the, this movie or whatever. And that that's what's yeah. kind of annoying. about I, it. I think Jason has the best chance of not not being a big deal with that, because Jason yeah. <laughs> Like, ultimately, his movies are... He's a guy in a hockey mask killing people, and I just want to do that again and again. Uh, yeah. Freddy's a problem because, you know, it, it needs Robert England, and if Robert England's mm-hmm. not doing it, then we're kind of rebooting it, and, you know, I've not seen the remake yet, and we're going to get to that to review it in the show at some point. I mean, we're, we're getting close. Oh <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this is what it is. But speaking of things coming back, uh, mm. Christoph Gans, who directed uh, the first Silent Hill movie, has revealed... Okay that he is working on both a Silent Hill film and a Fatal Frame movie. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he said he said recently, uh, so I mean, we've not heard any like official announcements from anywhere, but he said recently in an interview, I have two horror film projects with producer Victor uh, Hadida. Gans told, uh, who was he talking to? Rely on Horror. He was talking to them. Uh, I am working on the adaptation of the video game Project Zero, known as Fatal Frame in the United States. Uh, yeah. I guess Gans is from the UK or Europe because that's Project Zero is what it was called. Uh, there? Uh, here, yeah. Oh. Uh, the film will place in Japan. I, I always like Fatal Frame as a title more, though, admittedly. It just sounds better and fits the... Well, well, yeah, like Fatal Frame actually kind of gives you an idea of what it is. Like Project Zero sounds like it could literally be anything. Yeah. Uh, the film will take place in Japan. That's good. I like that part. I especially okay. don't want to uproot the game from its Japanese haunted house setting, and we're also working on a new Silent Hill. Uh, he added that the Silent Hill project will always be anchored in the atmosphere of a small American town ravaged by Puritanism. I think it's time to make a new one. So here's the thing. Yeah. I, Silent Hill looked like a Silent Hill movie, but once the plot got going, I really wasn't into it. And we'll review that at some point, especially if they make a new one, though. It's a good excuse to do the first two, but... Uh, uh, so I'm not particularly excited by that prospect. What are you saying about Fatal Frame, though, is intriguing to me. Yeah, uh, uh, well, as soon as you said it, my first thought was, like, I don't know how an American me- remake would, you know, go over. But, I mean, because uh, we play... What, which one do we play? Was that the first one or the second one? That was the first one we played a, 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 a good chunk of, yeah. Okay, yeah. It, it, it's, it, you know... Uh, admittedly i i'm not too familiar with the series uh it's actually one i would love to go back and play but you know it's a little harder <laughs> you know nowadays um like with these older games um but um yeah like the parts that we played and i think i played some of two like I, I rented back in the day uh but it does seem uh you know it, it's a great setting for like a and premise for a game and everything but it does seem very steeped in you know japanese uh folklore and the setting and everything so uh yeah my first thought was like mm, i don't know how you do an american remake but if he is you know setting it in japan and keeping it very faithful uh it sounds like it could be cool hopefully it's not like you know american tourists in japan <laughs> like, like just mm. you know you could still keep it like japanese characters but uh uh that definitely has me intrigued it's um <clears throat> you know it definitely has a reputation for being you know, one of the scarier like video games out there. And uh, I'd love to see a movie uh, about it. Uh, and then as far as Silent Hill goes, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm totally for that. I, um, I, again, Silent Hill is another one where I'm like not too familiar with like, uh, you know, we played the first one uh, together and then uh, I, you know, played the second one on my own. And then uh, I started playing the third one, but I don't think I ever actually beat it. But um, 
I, I played bits and pieces of a lot of games, but I haven't finished a lot of them. But, you know, it's like everything that I have kind of touched, I, I've liked a lot. But again, I, I would like to go back and replay them. But yes, yeah, it's, it's a little harder. I think uh, I think what he says here, though, which bugs me is, uh, you know, it's, it's always going to be a small American town ravaged by puritanism. <laughs> uh, I don't like because to me that says he thinks of Silent Hill as a real place. And I don't. You know, <laughs> Silent Hill, I, I think it was a place, not, not quite purgatory, but it's a place you go to face your own demons, right? And everything in it sure. is is based on who you are and, like, what you've done, what your demons are. And, you know, mm-hmm. one of the best things about Silent Hill 2, the video game, which is, like, one of the best games and one of the best video game stories of all time, is mm-hmm. uh, how it explores the psyche of the main character and how all the monsters in it can be linked to kind of what he's he's been through and what he's done. And yeah. I don't want to spoil what that is because it's kind of revealed at the end of the game. But... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the idea of thinking of it as a real place, uh, that this that, that became what it is because of like a cult. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, that doesn't jive with what I think Silent Hill is, and I don't yeah. think that's what it is in the game at all. Uh, not really. Oh no, yeah, it doesn't seem like. In a, you know, admittedly, I'm, you know, uh, I haven't played all the games and stuff. I've been reading some of the comics, but you know, that's the comics yeah. but like uh so I, I don't know all the lore so I, I don't know exactly what would be true but yeah to me it, it never felt like a physical place that you can just actually go to <laughs> like i don't know like some of the yeah. stuff that he's talking about was in the first game like that was part of the mm-hmm. plot but it it was never the focus of it it was more like because one of the things that bugged me about the movie is that once stuff started going there was, there was like a town meeting scene at one point where there's like just tons of people and i'm like why is it all these characters <laughs> like silent hill should be like almost empty <laughs> Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, I feel like it went in the face of what the, the games were. Mm. Um, and, of course, the shoehorned in Pyramid Head, even though Pyramid Head was directly to do with the main character of 2. Like, that's why mm. Pyramid Head existed. He represented yeah. James, his, his guilt, his, his demons. And so so shoehorning yeah. him in because it was, oh, because Pyramid Head and the nurses look cool. No, they were specifically mm. Silent Hill 2 for a reason, damn it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and we'll get into it more... Uh... I'm sure when we do a proper review, but I will just say uh, it has been a while since I watched it. But for the record, I did always kind of like the the first Silent Hill movie. But um, I think around the time that I'd first seen it, though, was before actually I'd played the game. So um, I think I was you know, know. if I was to compare it to something, it's kind of like the Watchmen movie where it's like it takes a lot of imagery from the Silent Hill like sure. one and two. Without really sort of trying to do what the games did in terms of actually understanding what they were trying to say or or what the yeah. story really was and uh because the second movie which i don't think i ever actually finished watching so i mean when we do that i'll be the f- first time for the most part but they kind yeah. of adapted the third game but it was like i don't know it just it felt like okay we're just taking the imagery from three because that was more imagery to take without really yeah. understanding what we're you know what the what the game was doing but yeah. I, I remember like really not liking third or uh the second movie um yeah that's right yeah, I mean, I mean, though more, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really unfortunate because you know after PT, it kind of feels like Silent Hill's just been kind of a, you know, dead franchise. That's because uh, Konami's so. been a dead video game company. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, I, I again, I'm not like super well versed into it, but I like the idea of having more of it, I guess, in any type of fashion. So I mean, you know, if we if we can get some movies or something going, like cool, and then. Who knows? I don't know if that, maybe if it sparks some interest or something. Maybe if they put out a collection or something, I would love. You know, um, I mean, you know, like my my Blu-ray box sets. I would love, uh, you know, sort of a type of HD collection of uh, however many games we can get. I know they had the one for 
you know PS3 a, a bit ago, but I don't have my PS3 anymore. So mm-hmm. no, I agree. Um, yeah. I'll say it again. Silent Hill, the movie, should just be an adaptation of Silent Hill 2 directed by David Lynch. And that's yeah, that's, that's, that's the best case scenario. Not That'd that I think David... I mean, David Lynch has adapted stuff in the past because Elephant Man was an adaptation, but like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily see him doing an adaptation again, but still, that would be my, my perfect <laughs> yeah. uh, option. Anyway, let's yeah. move on. Oh, wait, uh, oh, real quick, just one last thing, though. Uh, I... I mean, I feel like I hear rumors about this all the time. I don't know if there's actually any, uh, what do you call it, gravity to it or whatever. But, like, are, are there any plans for new for, for a new game? I always feel like people always say, like, oh, like, you know, it looks like they, they might be thinking about, you know, bringing it back or something. Or It's funny you ask because there was actually just new rumors this week after a long time of nothing uh, about how there was going to two games in development. One was kind of a, a big reboot game mm-hmm. for consoles and the second game was a mobile game um mm. but i mean coming from konami like it's hard to, i mean because the last metal game the, the metal gear game they did after kojima left <laughs> was uh you know that survive game which was like a multiplayer yeah. like you know survival like microtransactions filled things so mm-hmm. uh, what they even try to do with silent hill i'm just scared by so yeah uh so let's move on though, <laughs> uh, to the next uh thing which is a film called hellblazers which is also cast. Uh, Justin Lee is uh, directing this. It's an action horror film, uh, which includes uh, icons uh, Tony Todd, Adrian Barbaro, John Cassier, Meg Foster, and Courtney Gaines. So some notable names in there from the horror, uh, you know, legacy, if you will. Uh, But they've just added Bruce Dern and Billy Zane (laughs) to star in the 1980 set film. Um... So that's pretty cool. The story set in the late 1980s follows a satanic cult that has singular focus on unleashing hell on earth. With the help of an ancient incantation, they conjure a demon and its members are tasked with feeding its populars, or the populace, sorry, of a nearby small western, southwestern town. So it sounds like there's going to be a cult and maybe some people fight back in the town. So uh, action horror movie with that cast. Uh, Mm. Could be fun. Yeah. Oh, that is, it definitely sounds good uh, so far. Um, did it say who's directing? I, did I miss that? Uh, Justin Lee is directing. Oh, wait, uh, has he done anything else? Or I, don't, I don't think I'm... I'll, I'll look him up at IMDb since you're asking me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just that... curious. I, it doesn't sound... Off, the top, of, off the top of my head, no. But I mean, no? I, okay. I, but I, I, I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll, I'll look him up here and you'll have mm-hmm. a different thing. Uh, there's a few Justin Lees on IMDb. I'm going to assume it's this dude. Okay. I, I, I don't know if it is director <laughs> oh it's this guy okay he did Badlands Swell Alone We Fight A Reckoning Big Legend I've never heard of any of these <laughs> I've never heard of any of these movies so uh, right. no, so new, new guy he's a new dude okay yeah cause uh, I mean it's an interesting enough premise but then uh, yeah you know it's another one you kind of wait and see who knows how it's gonna you know pan out um, but cool I mean I mean it, it, action horror I, I feel like is like a little tough because when i think of that i was thinking like stuff like van helsing which uh yeah on paper sounds like it should be cool but it's just like one of the worst movies uh i've ever seen um i guess also like you know the the last mummy movie i don't know maybe you call it that action horror or something uh so yeah i, I, I don't know uh i want it to be fun but who knows yeah um so it's, it's, it's a fun idea and i like that it's in a small town i feel like there's not enough small town horror movies anymore 
yeah. with like a community who like band together to like to fight something uh so sure. i'm down for this being good uh, we'll just have to see um <laughs> It looks like there's Christmas because there's, there's an image with this. It looks like there's Christmas lights in the background, so it may end up being a Christmas set movie. Okay. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Um. So next up, uh, French filmmaking duo of Julian Maury and Alexandre uh, Bustillo, uh, best mm-hmm. known for the ultraviolet slasher Inside. So okay, you know these dudes. Uh, I've not seen Inside. Uh, so what I'm sure. Inside's we'll- great. I'm sure we'll eventually do it on the show. Uh, didn't they also do like uh, Leatherface though, or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> so, take that as you may. Yes. Uh, so yes. So they're, they're going to do an aquatic horror movie. Okay. Uh, it's called The Deep House, and <laughs> in the film, while diving in a remote French lake, so it's a French movie still, I think, by the sounds of it. Yeah. A couple of YouTubers who specialize in underwater exploration videos discover a house submerged in deep waters. Do you know what I love? I love that we're getting movie descriptions now that they refer to the characters as YouTubers. Yeah. <laughs> That's us, Tim. We're YouTubers. There's oh, movies no. about us. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so James uh, Jagger and Camille Rowe both star as the explorers in this unique hunter, which is bloody disgusting, weird phrasing uh, of this. Uh, so, I mean, there's not enough aquatic horror movies. Obviously, Underwater yeah. uh, has came out recently. We got that at different times, so we're waiting for the VOD release before mm-hmm. we do that on the show. But uh, I- I'm happy for more to happen. Uh, and also, it's an interesting visual, actually, of a li- a literally a house at the bottom of a lake. Yeah, no, that actually sounds really cool. And um, I, again, you know, these days it's, uh, you know, the more unique or interesting, you know, the premise, uh, you know, the more excited I, I kind of get because yeah, anything to take us away from, you know, like the generic Hollywood horror movies that we unfortunately see a lot of. But uh, this actually sounds really cool. And I, I do love uh, aquatic horror. And yeah, I feel like we don't get enough uh, anything set in the water. I'm a, a big fan of always there for more uh so next up uh bloody disgusting are really pushing this one because this is one they're involved in so bloody (laughs) bloody disgusting is teaming up with fangoria and uh, sinistate uh to produce a halloween set horror film called the sisters of sam hain i like the title title's cool in the film a group of friends must team up with a witch on halloween night to prevent a rogue coven from bringing about the end of the world Mm mm-hmm Interesting. Yeah, that's not yeah. bad sounding. You know, teaming up with the one good witch. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no thoughts? Does it, have... <laughs> does it wait? Uh, does it say like the like obviously like, yeah like uh was it bloody disgusting and Fangoria? Mm-hmm. Are involved, but like is there uh like any actual names of like who the Talent. director or whatever? Oh ta- yes, okay. So uh, uh it's good. it's written by Ben Collins and Luke Piotrowski. The duo yeah. behind uh, the VHS spin-off Siren. Oh, so that, yeah, that was the... Uh... Oh, no. <laughs> oh, was that, was that bad? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh, actually, me, uh, me and my wife watched it recently because it was on Netflix, and... Oh, boy. Oh, however, however, they also did uh, the coming-of-age thriller Super Dark Times, which was pretty good. I saw that. Okay. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard that that was good as well. Yeah, that, that was good. So yeah, maybe, maybe they're finding their, their feet. They're, 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 you know they're, they're, they're learning <laughs> uh, so so that's pretty cool uh, the director is going to be Greg Bishop who directed Siren 
<laughs> as well as uh, Micro ended the other side and Dance of the Dead, which uh, how have we not done Dance of the Dead? That sounds like something we should see. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but yeah. So obviously they're, they're making a big song and dance about that because they're involved in it. Uh, so <laughs> that actually just to our one and only trailer for this episode. Now mm-hmm. I did look back at least two weeks to see if there was interesting trailers. Uh, but we have one big one to talk about, and that is the new ninth Saw movie. But this is the one that they exists because Chris Rock wanted to do one and produced it. So Chris Rock and Samuel L. Jackson star in this movie. And we didn't even know what the title was before this trailer. So the title of this movie, baffling me, is called Spiral from the Book of Saw. <laughs> from the book of spiral from the book of saw like what yeah uh was was there ever a book in that series like was jigsaw known for his writing <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh not that i recall no uh there was no books uh, so th- there's a teaser trailer for this uh which shows uh, chris rock as a cop uh samuel jackson might be a cop may not be there's a lot of cop characters yeah <laughs> Um, so like he, you know, it, it seems to like Jigsaw or whoever's doing the the, the stuff in this is is uh, targeting cops, and it seems like it's more of a cop thriller <laughs> horror movie as opposed mm-hmm. to like what we've had in the past. There is a couple of things towards the end that kind of show like you know Chris Rock holding a saw and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, it's like people, it's like whoever this is sending like uh, mystery boxes and like crime scenes for the mm-hmm. for the cops to sort of like poke around. Um, and it's got this, the softy music playing throughout most of it. What did you think of the trailer, Tim? Uh, I, I wasn't into it. Uh, I think, first of all, um, there's really no, like, hint of horror uh, at all to me in this. Like, it feels very much like uh, a cop movie, which, you, could, you know, like, even, like, setting up, like, you got the kind of the, you know, uh, like every cop movie, like the you know two partners just kind of having like a banal conversation, you know, in the cop car, and then you know the dramatic music starts playing, and then um, yeah, you, you really don't you get any sense of like what the traps are going to be like, except for at the end, uh, you know, like we were just talking about earlier with franchises, like you know, oh, you gotta cut back to the famous you know part of the first movie uh, where they're like just doing that again um yeah and... I, I will admit there is what uh, there's, there's a curiosity element here just because it is a passion sure. project like i'm like yeah <laughs> and it's, it's so random because it's chris rock like chris rock is passionate about making a saw movie <laughs> like what the the weirdness of that does make it uh at least more interesting than just like a regular saw sequel like yeah the the idea that we're getting like a you know big random star who's usually not known for horror like coming uh to this like that does make it intriguing so it, yeah. if anything it's more interesting i'm oddly curious if nothing else and i will admit i did smile just for the for the, the dumbness of uh samuel jackson doing one of his like yo you want to play a mother effing game <laughs> like yeah. you know like, <laughs> like I, I almost like the idea of just doing uh, saw one again but with samuel jackson just dropping samuel sure. jackson <laughs> lines like constantly yeah that actually might be really funny <laughs> Yeah, the only other thing is like they're they're acting like oh man like he's targeting cops and I'm like didn't they target cops in the other Saw movies <laughs> like wasn't that like a whole big thing about like some of them is that in the end like the cop that was investigating is like caught in the traps and stuff now 
<laughs> yeah, that that was a big part yeah. of the. That was like the fourth yeah. one that that kind of started yeah. to. Nah, well. Yeah, it was the fourth because the fourth one was with the uh, the 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 bald the Baldwin. Uh, Wahlberg, Donnie Wahlberg. That's what I'm trying Wahlberg. to think. Of. Yeah. yeah, that was the one that had a lot, a lot of him in it. I think. Yeah, that was that was four. That was definitely four. I know. Uh, but, you know, we, we get to see that uh, iconic jigsaw spiral that we all know <laughs> from the movies. <laughs> Here's the thing: that the last one uh went to such great lengths to kind of incorporate jigsaw and have his kind of guessing and i won't spoil it but there was you know there was a lot of guessing involved as to what whether like you know is he really back is it any you know what's going on um and like i mean that that one did have an ending that kind of like had like a new branch for it to go in right and i wonder if this new one's still going to kind of like in some way tie to that yeah i I don't Um... know Good question. I, I mean, if honestly, if it's like completely divorced from the series and like, you know, there's very little connections, like that might be a good thing because, yeah, we don't like the Saw movies. But, um, you know, if this is almost like its own thing, but just, you know, kind of like with the Saw brand or whatever, uh, I don't know. Who knows? It could be like pleasantly good, like it, a, a little surprise. I mean, there's always been an idea to Saw that I think had potential. I've just never really liked any yeah. of the movies. Um, and to be fair, this trailer does genuinely look different. It doesn't have that filter that a lot yeah. of those other movies do. Um, it's hard to tell what the editing's like because obviously it's cut differently for the trailer anyway. Um, yeah. But it does. Well, I think lo- yeah, that's always been like a big po- a problem with us with the series is kind of mm. yeah the the look and how it's like edited and put together. So yeah, I mean if you are keeping some of the coin concepts, uh, which you know I agree, I I do think is good. Uh, then yeah, who knows <laughs> like. It would. I mean, I guess weirder things have happened, but if we end the year and uh, a Saw movie is on our top ten list, uh, that could be interesting. That 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 would be a shock. That'd be a surprise. <laughs> and, and what's interesting is that Darren Lynn Bowsman, who did like two, three, and four, is back to direct this one. But it, but it, oh, yeah. it, but it genuinely looks really different. And you yeah. know, and I I like the Collector, which he did, which I know is not your favorite movie but not crazy about it uh and even i I know i agree it has problems i mean i kind of like it in spite of its flaws but um he is a potential to do something that could entertain you i'm just i I am deeply curious just because of why this exists and how it exists and how that's true just you know it's kind of like when lebron james was saying saying that he wanted to do a friday the 13th movie and who knows if that'll (laughs) ever happen because of all the rights issues but yeah like but that makes you go wait what LeBron James wants to produce a Friday the 13th movie? Sure. What? <laughs> I mean, fair play. Fair play. Yeah. I mean, um, so, yeah, there you go. Uh, I mean, it looks different. I'll give it that. It looks different from the other Saw movies. Uh, yeah. But who knows if it'll end up being, guess, being any good. Yeah, at least I'm going into it intrigued versus like every other one we watch where mm. I dread having to see it. Yeah, and, you know, it may end up just being like a five or a six out of ten, but even that would be an improvement for for the most part. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's a huge leap in quality for us. Hello, hello. What's all this about a scary dress then? <laughs> that was. <laughs> Is a scary dress in it? <laughs> I, th- I think it's a dress, bro. <laughs> <laughs> This dress is having a laugh. 
We talk about horror movies on this show. It's a horror movie podcast. Every week we get together, we've watched the movie, we talk about it. Uh, this episode is going to be about In Fabric, which is part of our 2019 catch-up season. If you look it up, it will say 2018 because of festivals, but it didn't actually release anywhere until publicly until 2019. Uh, this is a movie about a, a haunted dress, maybe? Is, is that the right word? Possessed dress, maybe better? I don't know. Uh, but so it's about a woman who buys a dress from a store very creepy uh, sort of management and employees <laughs> but other, otherwise yeah. it looks like a normal kind of store it's, it's not like some creepy little dingy store it's like a big well lit store that you'd find in a shopping mall it's not you know weird back back alley stuff and weird stuff starts happening bad luck uh, starts to kind of befall her and uh, you know possible dangerous things start happening around her and that's kind of the gist of the the idea that's the gist of in fabric it's directed by peter strickland who i've not seen any films by i've heard good things about barbarian sound studio uh oh he did that yeah so yeah. Uh, that's something did we'll have I to that? we'll have to do that at some remember. point but uh yeah so that is the director of this uh so i guess you know i'll just ask the question uh that i, that I <laughs> ask uh, tim did you enjoy in fabric um I, i'm still not sure i uh i feel like i'm a little back and forth uh on it uh there's definitely some stuff that i liked you know that i found very you know admirable about the movie you know it's definitely shot very well it has kind of like a cool creepy tone it's very weird the music is absolutely fantastic um at the same time i felt very confused uh, for a lot of it as to what's going on uh I, I do think it you know is a little bit too long um so i don't, I don't know it's uh it's definitely a, a mixed bag but uh I, I think there are some faults but the stuff it does well it does pretty well so i i don't know i'm still not i'm still processing it i, I guess i watched it last night and i'm still trying to kind of feel out to see exactly how i feel about it it's amazing how similar that review was there, almost word for word, to your <laughs> review of Shrek. It was the exact same, you know, <laughs> statement. You were confused as to what was going on. It was too long. Uh, you know, very erotic in places. You know, like that. very similar review. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird movie. In Fabric's a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> I, I will. It lately. I will agree. It's, it's a bit too long. It's it's two full hours and. I was actually wondering, like, you know, like 30, 40 minutes in, I'm like, how is this two hours long? I feel like we're ramping up to a conclusion. And it's actually because the movie's very much of two halves. There's a a shift to new characters in the second half. It makes it all not quite an anthology, but there's definitely, uh, you know, a, a, a separate kind of thing. And that, uh, that, which is why it made sense. Like, I felt it was wrapping up at one point, And then it was like, oh, no. Uh, like, why is there another hour? Oh, because there's another character to, to go through. Yeah. But... Uh, the yeah, I think overall I liked it. I, I think I liked the music. I liked how weird it was. I liked the weird subliminal things, like the the the, the shopping ads for the the movie. I, I think it's meant to be set in the early nineties. It kind of has that feel to it. Um, yeah. you know the fuzzy TV ads and all that stuff. Uh, I will say there was a couple of like side running characters who kind of stole the show for me. There's a couple of uh, kind of manager type characters who I thought were <laughs> standouts. I, I, I thought those scenes were all very funny, but I don't know. I feel like it, it maybe should have been in another movie. I mean, like, that's, I, I, that's fair. 
like I like I agree those scenes I and, and it's like a very kind of like you know it's like a dry like British kind of humor you know uh, but but I think it's very fun, funny and like you know as someone that's worked a lot of like office jobs and like yeah I've worked at banks and stuff and it like yeah I did find it like very relatable to you have these you know just like annoyingly you know corporate uh, you know company yes men kind of just telling you to do some you know very ridiculous stupid things but it is very funny but at the same time. I don't really know what the point of it in this movie was. There, well, there's a couple of key themes that come to light in those scenes, which I think are why they're at least supposed to be important to the overall movie. Okay. Um, I also just I bet you didn't relate to the idea that it, a it, the two managers were in a gay couple with each other, and mm-hmm. b that they really wanted you to talk about washing machines so they could get off on it. I, mean, I, I bet that wasn't <laughs> something that ever happened to you. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> Tim, talk about the. The washing machine drum. Uh, talk about the belt and the spinning. Go slower. Uh, it's like, <laughs> and then, like that comes like later on in the movie, and it's like I can't. Like I've already been subjected to so many weird things. Like you can't keep adding new ones. Uh. So, um, yeah, I, I like overall. I liked it. It's definitely not perfect. I, I do feel like. It's one of those things where some time and maybe a second viewing will actually solidify where I feel about it. Sure. Uh, I will also say it occasionally cuts back to the employees and like the manager at the mm-hmm. store they bought the dress from, and that stuff is wildly surreal and just yeah. like what's happening. One of the weirdest <laughs> masturbation scenes I might have ever seen in oh, anything, yeah. <laughs> and I and I watched Higazusa, which had a goat masturbation scene <laughs> in it. Tim's favorite. <laughs> Yeah, it's not bad. Uh, um. <laughs> well, goats make Tim happy, so Tim would like to see goats be happy too. Of course. Yeah. Yes. Mm. <laughs> all right. As long as uh, you know, as long as it's all consensual, you know, as long as uh, the goats agree, you know, that they're into it, and it's fine. I'm scared to ask this question, Tim. How do you? How do you? How exactly do you get a confirmed con? You know, you know, consent. You know. <laughs> For, you know, how does a how does a goat give consent? Is what I'm trying to ask. How how do you know the goats gave consent? This is something scientists have been studying for years there's oh, no, so, no you know there the, the, there hasn't been a clear answer to this yet but it'll who knows maybe 2020 will be the year that we finally break that barrier all right okay <laughs> i'm so glad i brought that up uh right uh <laughs> it, it's funny because the movie pl- plays like there's the scenes in the movie that play relatively quite normal, right? It's you know it's about sure. this this middle aged woman. She's in her fifties and she's a mm-hmm. d- divorcee and she's looking for you know to meet someone. She's putting a, a, a you know personal ad in the paper and she's responding to others uh, reaching out to her. And we get kind of you know scenes of her going on a couple of dates, a couple of blind dates with these these sirs. And we also meet her son who's seventeen but has an older girlfriend who very loudly have sex in the house uh, with her there. Uh, in fact, one, one of the funniest moments for me in this whole movie might be there's a scene where she talks to, this is Sheila, is the main character here, she talks to the, the son's girlfriend, and the son's girlfriend just casually says something really like crudely sexual about her son in the conversation, and it really caught me off guard and made me laugh. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's very strange and awkward, um, and I, I didn't realize it, but the... Um... 
my wife pointed this out that the the girlfriend is a um, a character from Game of Thrones, and but she looks like wildly different in this movie. I was oh, like, oh wow, I couldn't believe it. Hold on, a character from Game of Thrones, not an actor from Game of Thrones, a character from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah not not the actress. It was an actual character. The from, actual character, yes, the, yeah, <laughs> yes. I, I was wondering why there was like a sword and a suit of armor in the background. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> quite right but it yeah it adds to the to the weirdness of the movie it does but i i will say um honestly for me i think that splitting this movie in half i I think kind of hurts it i think you would either have to just focus on sheila because i think that was the more compelling story or Mm -hmm shorten it up and make it like a full-on anthology like have you know three or four different stories uh I, I think having it split between these two honestly didn't really work for me two one-hour chunks didn't work yeah, i can see that like because the and i don't know maybe it's just because i you know like i mean maybe if i go and i watch the second half on its own or whatever maybe it'll work a little better but just like by the time you get to it and once you kind of start realizing like oh i guess we're not coming back to these characters because like i but because i like sheila and i like the weird family dynamic and like you know, the weird stuff that starts going on with the dress, like that stuff all, you know, is much more compelling to me that when you leave it, it's kind of like, it is like a little jarring. And I, I don't know, like you said, maybe it is one of those things that once you sit with it a little bit, if you give it a rewatch or something, maybe I, I can appreciate it a little bit more, but just kind of, you know, my initial thoughts on it are, you know, like uh, I, I checked out a little bit on the second half because of uh, the sudden switch. I, I may have felt that way, but the washing machine fetish kind of, reeled me back Fair. in because uh, that was such an absurd thing i mean yeah. i think the themes this movie's playing with is clearly as an element of consumerism because so much of it's about like you know this this shop like try to sell this dress to people and kind of and the way the way that the saleswoman talks about it it's like oh like this tranquility and there's a feeling of yeah. empowerment and blah. she's just she you know it's, it's all buzzwords um but she, you know, the way they talk about that and then of course i, I think obviously sex and fetishism is in there um, yeah. But I think I might even extend it more to just like desires and how desires for items and desires for, you okay. know, personal things and yeah. how that kind of mixes with the desire for inanimate objects and consumerism and the idea that like even like we almost become consumed by it and but in not even that, like people kind of put their heart and soul into making these things and then ultimately they outlive us um and the desire it lives as and I, i've been asked kind of you know some stuff that the ending points to which we'll talk about obviously in spoilers but uh like you know i was kind of getting a gist of what it was saying like not not like i don't want to say that i've got it pegged i don't want to say that i i can kind of give you a dissertation on it right now because i can't but like i think yeah. i'm i'm kind of like almost getting what it's poking at i think that's an interesting take um uh, my thought was that it was trying to say uh clothes want to kill us interesting interesting i can see you put a lot so, of thought into that mm-hmm. so two two different viewpoints <laughs> two different viewpoints. <laughs> oh dear yes uh very giallo music very kind of you know otherworldly very dreamlike at times yeah it, I, I would have to say the the standout for me is is by far the music i loved that uh it, it just felt like you know, such a throwback to Jallo stuff. Like if I close my eyes, I you know could have sworn I was watching like you know an Argento mm-hmm. movie or something. I just 
yeah, I would I would love to get the you know the soundtrack because it's uh, it really 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 was uh, awesome. I want to point out here that last Uh-oh. week's recording session, Tim picked two movies. Those two movies were hell yeah, Headcount <laughs> <laughs> and Wounds, and it was a miserable day of viewings. And I just want to say that I picked this week's two movies, and they were The Pool, which we've went up by now. And in fabric. Now, while you may not be in love with this movie, I don't think you can deny that my pair was a roaring <laughs> success in comparison to your pair. <laughs> well, <coughs> I've got I'm... a better pair than Tim. Let it be known. <laughs> yeah, you act like I like I made you do those movies. I I'm usually just like, <laughs> hey, I'm watching these movies. If you want to do them, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> And also, and, and, uh, you know, I, I've seen The Pool before you. It's not like you're picking this obscure movie that I'd never heard of. I watched it first. Lies. All lies. I watched it in October. <laughs> lies. <laughs> <laughs> you can go back and look at it. <laughs> uh, I'm not accepting a whiff of this. You made us watch two terrible movies last week, um, <laughs> and I picked gold, or at least interesting material, <laughs> if not gold. Uh <laughs> Golden comparison. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, I mean, if you want to start keeping tally of who <laughs> movies, we'll <laughs> we can we can go down that road. Uh, uh, yes, I don't know. I think it'd be cruel to. I think by the end of the year, you'd see that I have won. Uh, you know, by a sure. wide margin. I think okay. that's what you'd see. So I don't want to hurt your feelings. So let's not do that. I, I, I've been accused multiple times on Twitter this week of talking bullshit <laughs> on this show um, and how Tim is going to show me uh, my role and you know, cut me down. And so, you know what? If, I, if I'm being accused of bullshit, then I'm going to go full bullshit, all right? Full bullshit. That's what you get now, Tim. You made your bed. You made your shit bed. And you're going to be lying in your shit bed. Covered in shit, surrounded by shit, shit all day, every day, in every way possible. Shit. Uh, I like that. It, I like how much it's gotten to you. <laughs> <laughs> My work here is done. Uh, yeah, you know, I. I feel like <laughs> I feel like people will actually think it's getting to me, and not not just I consider the possibility that I'm I'm going with a joke here for the fun of it, but whatever, it's fine. Uh, um, uh, yeah, I I wouldn't put it past anyone to ever understand what a joke is, especially a joke online. Oh sure, yeah, yes. Uh, did, I mean, did you see the, the the comments on the Dracula review, the Dracula episode one review recently? <laughs> Jesus. I've heard about it. Jesus, <laughs> I I'm on a, I haven't watched Dracula yet, but I'm automatically giving it my stamp of approval because if you if you guys hate it so much, it's got to be good. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's no way it's bad. It's terrible. It's a couple of fun bits of gore, but it's terrible. <laughs> Tim, you Tim, you you almost line up score wise with me like nine times out of ten on this podcast. Why do you assume because I think something's bad that it has to be good? You agree with me almost all the time. Uh, I just I don't know. I, I, I I'm giving my full support behind this particular candidate. I do think Dracula is going to be the standout 
Uh, I'll count it as a movie uh, for 2020. It's definitely going to make my year end of year list. And uh, yeah, there's, there's no way it's bad. Come on. It's Dracula. You, you saw the billboard. It's uh, it's cool. It makes a shadow with his face. Come on. <laughs> so we will. <laughs> we will. <laughs> we will <laughs> what are we talking about? We're talking about Ed Fabry. Uh, so what was I going to say? What we're talking about? We're talking about performances, direction, all that mm. kind of stuff. All the usual spoiler-free talk. Um, I mean, I like the direction. I the direction is pretty solid. Uh, I will say there's some ex- like the, the movie is listed as horror comedy, and it definitely is because there's like this is honestly funnier than some more straight horror comedies that I've seen. Like uh, there's a there's a fight that breaks out in a, in, the, in the store towards the end that had me dying of laughter. I I was <laughs> cackling at that. Uh, you know, I was cackling at a masturbation scene. I was cackling at there was, there was like several scenes in this that were just so absurdly funny. It was kind of great. Uh, so you know, yeah, the, it is one of those movies. Movies that's like a, a little harder to define because um, yeah, I guess, I guess it is a, a horror movie, but it you know again it, it doesn't feel like there's so much kind of weird stuff going on uh, that that yeah like I don't even know exactly what you classify it as, but. Yeah, I mean, there, there definitely is, like, uh, comedic parts. Uh, there's, you know, like, a lot of, like, kind of awkward, uncomfortable comedy. And then, like, yeah, there's, like, you know, the very funny, like, corporate kind of, <laughs> you know, scenes uh, with those, like, two, like, managers that, that you mentioned before. And, um, yeah, it's a, I, I guess maybe you could say, like, a dark comedy <laughs> or something. Yeah. Uh, so I think we'll give the old spoiler warning. Uh, so we can talk about all the crazy stuff that happens in the movie. Uh, so before we start the spoiler section, though, I will take this time to thank our Patreon producers for the month. Uh, so thank you to David Short, Alison M. Fordyce, Cindy Palacios, and Tyler Hess for being our Patreon producers. Uh, that means they are patrons at the $20 or up tiers, and that is amazing. So uh, you don't have to, to go that high, though, if you want to support us on Patreon.com slash TV. though, of course. You can support us for as little as $1 per month and get a bonus exclusive episode of the show every single month and you get a back catalogue of all the ones that have already been. There's about 12 or 13 already there, uh, so hopefully you're interested in that. The $5 tier, you get uh, voting rates for an episode once per month, and you get early access to a couple of the uh, the uh, sort of the second episodes, as it were, because yeah, obviously the regular episodes are up on a Monday, twice a month now, there'll be an episode later in the week, and those will be up early on Patreon, so you'll get access to those at the $5 tier a week early, so uh, you can go and uh, have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, but all right, so spoilers for In Fabric. What would you want to talk about? I mean, I don't even know. Like, I, f- I feel like usually I just sort of try and work through more or less in order. But like with this one, I feel like I mean, we'll stick. We'll stick to the first story first. We'll stick to the first yeah. half, right? So we'll stick to Sheila, uh, and her son who draws and his older girlfriend who models for him, and they have very loud sex in the house, which is kind of there thematically to show what she's missing. It's kind of this weird, like, sort of dark comedy of like, oh, my son's getting like all this action, and I'm lonely kind of thing um and you know this makes her look for like for dates uh and she she goes on a date that is terribly funny <laughs> or funny ter- ter- funnily terrible yeah. if you want to put it that way where the guy just isn't interested in talking or laughing because she says oh it's setting your profile you like to laugh and he's like yeah <laughs> well, what, what sort of things you like to laugh at funny things 
Yeah, I almost forgot about that, but yeah, that actually was like a pretty funny scene. Yeah, like that first guy was terrible. Yeah, I've got a coupon. Uh, <laughs> if if we share a pudding, we get ten percent off. <laughs> she's trying so hard as well, bless her. She's trying to be nice, even when he's clearly a, a lost cause. Like she's trying to yeah. keep being nice. Uh, she does actually end up hitting off with the second guy she goes on a date with, though, who does become her boyfriend. Um, but there's so many little things that happen over the course. There's the dress is like floating above the beds at night. It actually kind of attacks the son's girlfriend at one point by like falling what, on her face. The, was that a dream sequence? I didn't think so. Okay, uh, it was. Uh, I, I was a little hard to tell because it seemed like then she woke up, but then you kind of see the dress slinking away. So I'm not, I wasn't really sure. I don't know. I think it just looked like she was waking up. Maybe I don't know. Uh, but. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the dress think, is creeping around from time to time. Um, yeah. It, what what kind of sucks is, uh, like, it, it's a very unique concept for a horror movie. Like, I can't really think of, uh, you know, too many other movies about, like, a haunted dress. And um, you don't really get too much with it. But I do find, like, the few scenes where the dress is moving and stuff, like, I actually do find very haunting and like cool well, here's and surreal. The thing. like here's the thing tim because if they'd had it like dangling on a string it looked really stupid the reason sure. why it looks so serene and kind of haunting is because it always just kind of looks like a gust of wind takes it somewhere exactly. like, yeah, you know yeah. it just looks like it flows it's, it, 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 it almost as if it doesn't really have a mind of its own and yet it's moving with purpose oh totally yeah, yeah. and and I'm assuming that's not the kind of movie they want to go for here, but I almost do want to kind of see the version that is maybe a little more straightforward and, yeah, is focusing more on, like, the dress-killing people because I do really like all those scenes. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it, it seems like it's, you know, it's kind of only part of the bigger tapestry that we're getting here. Yeah. Did you like the scene where the washing machine uh... – <laughs> uh, basically starts Sense. rocking like it's going yeah. to explode um, which is funny actually I've actually encountered not exactly this obviously but uh, there's like a safety feature in new washing machines uh, I don't know what it's called I, I, I like, the explanation escapes me but I had a new washing machine and basically when it went to a heavy cycle it started doing this but it started like you know rocking as if like you know it was going to blow up <laughs> and yeah. it was really scary sounding and it turns out it was just like a simple feature that they're meant to kind of like turn off or whatever when it when it's delivered uh okay uh something to do with like a i don't know like a weight or something <laughs> in it. i don't know um oh interesting okay. but uh so but anyway, obviously this keeps going she ends up getting cut uh the dress has given her a rash there's also a running thing with the dress where it seems to fit everyone no matter what like it says it's a size 36 but everyone can fit into it yeah yeah so that's a weird weird little thing uh and then and just going back to again i think one of the reasons why i like this first half a little better is um i, I do think uh, Sheila is a much more interesting character, and I do like that it's not the typical kind of character you usually see in horror movies. Like, you know, she's an older, um, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if she's a divorcee. Uh, yeah, I think so. Necessary. Yeah, because I, 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 like, I know they mentioned, like, you know, the guy's father, but I don't know if they're actually married, but I guess you can assume that, yeah, like, she's, like, divorced and, yeah, trying to date again. And, yeah, she has, like, a very bratty son and like annoying uh annoying girlfriend that makes like a really weird family dynamic it's all really interesting stuff that you don't see a lot of so 
I think you know it's just another reason why I found the first half a lot more compelling, uh, uh, and why I get a little bummed when we get away from it. Well, that's the thing. It's like she doesn't really like her son's girlfriend. She's constantly using the phone, uh, racking up a bill. She's constantly drinking her booze and things like that. Um, and it's interesting. I think that the dress kind of tries to snuff her out. It almost mm. tries to get and gives her a boyfriend. Like it kind of gives her everything she wants, just to like you know get closer to her son, have someone like you know uh, the partner. Um, and it's obviously at the end of her section where it also gets her killed. Like, you know, all these mannequins yeah. from the store start, like, popping up in the road and it makes her swerve into a tree and it kills her. Um, which I didn't see coming because I, I didn't know this was a movie in two halves. I thought this was her, you know, until yeah. the end kind of thing. Oh, totally. Uh, and, and even when that, like, car crash happens, I, I kept thinking we were going to go to the hospital or something and, like, you know, still stick with her. Uh, I was surprised that that was, like, pretty much the end of her story except for, like, you know, <laughs> easy a glimpse of her at the end. But yeah. Uh, she does get attacked by a dog as well, a rabid dog who's oh, yeah. co- co- clearly spooked by the uh, the dress itself. You know, oh. can sense its otherworldliness. I guess yeah. uh, this is another scene that I kind of like. I don't know if you're supposed to, but I did kind of laugh at because it's just like so out of nowhere. Like they're just having such a nice peaceful mm-hmm. walk, and then out of nowhere, this like crazy dog comes and starts like yeah, just ripping the dress to shreds. Yeah, it's a good scene. Like, like I say, I like the scene with the two manager dudes who are not the managers at the bank she works at. They're more. It's like it's like they. It's almost like they're a employment specialists or something like that who like employ for <laughs> companies because they because they seem to like uh, talk to people who are in different uh, you know professions. Mm-hmm. It's not just like the bank. It's also uh, yeah. as we find out later, washing machine repair <laughs> repairman. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. She uh, she gets called in twice with these guys. The first time it's just t- she talks about a dream she's or the second time she talks about a dream she's been having, and that's another theme is all the yeah. the, the three main characters all have dreams at some point or they at least talk about a dream. Uh, and in this dream she's her mother and everyone's scared of her and stuff. Uh, the part of this conversation I liked though that made me laugh so much because it is kind of like a, an exaggeration of the absurd bullshit management stuff you have to face off mm-hmm. with. Um, is when they're like. Hey, everything's going fine. You know this person that uh, you know talked to us about uh, your your performance and yada yada yada. But the one thing they said, the one thing they sort of brought up was that your handshake's not uh, yeah. not firm enough. And you know, a handshake's really important. Uh, and they give they give her like a, a a bit of paper, like a sheet of paper that's got like instructions on it. There's like a, a sort of instruction guide to doing a good handshake. And my the line that cracked me up here was one of the guys said. It's written in a friendly, comfortable, and easy to understand language, and there's a little cartoon at the bottom to summarize all the yeah. key points. Yeah. <laughs> and then, they, and then I shit you not, they said, uh, "If you like, we could do some role playing uh, to yeah. to make you confident." Uh, I really like that. That was yeah. good. No, it's really funny. Now I like all the like bathroom talk, which like it's um you know because they're like, oh, like we noticed you taking a bathroom break before you're you know clocking out for lunch, and you know like oh, it's it's just like possibly two minutes here but then if you add those up and blah blah and it's like it really like struck home from you know like pretty much every like job i've ever had you know has like just like such like dumb bullshit talks like that which is like shut up like this stuff doesn't matter like let people go in the bathroom when they want like it's uh, like obviously, you know, it's over the top here, but it is like also not f- too far off from oh, like, the, the, the bathroom. Bullshit. The bathroom part was definitely the one that was the most like real. Like, yeah, it got more ridiculous after that, but that was the definitely the most. And I never realized that when they recommended a a, a washing machine repairman that that was going to lead into the second main characters. <laughs> like, I didn't, sure. yeah, I yeah. didn't realize <laughs> that was going to be a link. 
yeah. but I really uh, dug these scenes with with them. Uh, and I, I, you know, I think I get it's a part, but the pressures in her life and what she wants in her life, mm. um, kind of like those themes kind of been brought up. Uh, the second story uh, with uh, two main characters, which is uh, oh, was it something reads? I forget his Reg. name. Reg Reg speaks. That was it. Reg speaks, and uh, his fiance uh, Babs, and they've been together for years and years since they were teenagers. But they're you know in their mid thirties now, and they're getting married. And I actually thought this was like guys from work bullying him, but then it, it became clear over the course of the scene that it was actually uh, his like soon to be father in law and his friends giving him a stag night, and uh, or a bachelor party for anyone who isn't familiar with stag night, um, and. They make him wear the dress. They buy it cheap at a used store. Presumably, that's where it went after, after the death of uh, of Sheila, and that's how he becomes embroiled in it. And then his girlfriend also tries it or tries it on afterwards uh, when he's back at home. Uh, but it sets this stuff up, and this is where we get the the washing machine fetish stuff. So <laughs> it's introduced in two sort of particular scenes. There's a scene where he's out repairing a washing machine for this this uh, slightly older woman. She's maybe in her forties. Uh, and she's kind of almost flirting with him at one point. Uh, not in a kind of friendly way. It's more of like a weird, I'm lonely in the mood for sex way. So I'm going to sort of try and put you in the mood. Because she's she's asking about his fiance and like, oh, you've never been with anyone else. So haven't you ever been tempted? And, you know, it, it almost felt like she was kind of, you know, not, not propositioning, but, you know, throwing the, the you know, the, the possibility out there. Uh, sure. And what was weird is that he keeps trying to talk about the washing machine breaking down and what, what he's going to do to fix it to try and just change the conversation because he's uncomfortable. But there's a point in the middle of this scene where she kind of, it goes into like a close-up of his mouth as he's saying it. And it's almost like she's getting turned on as he's talking about uh, the, <laughs> the, the the axle and the, the, the belt and the, 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 the blah, blah, blah. Um, and then it comes into full focus when he goes to see these two manager dudes that we saw in the other plot. And they, you know, bring up... Uh, like you know, they, they had a washing machine guy out, and they like, say, "Hey, can we do some role play? Can you pretend that you're fixing a washing machine?" <laughs> and he starts talking about washing machines, and they they hold hands, and they just they look like they're like having orgasms. They're like, <laughs> "Oh yes, keep going, keep going," kind of thing. And he gets uncomfortable, and they actually have to kind of talk him into it again by like going mm-hmm. through a whole scenario. Uh, he also tells him about a dream that he had where he has has soon to be wife was giving birth and the baby flipped him off after he was born. <laughs> it was also not, yep. noteworthy that the people delivering the baby were clearly the manager and the employees at the store yeah. uh, from from where the dress came from. Uh, and his relationship with his, his wife is really weird. They're, they're both clearly bored of each other, but they're getting married anyway. Like, he's not paying attention to her. He's just kind of, like, nodding along, saying, yeah, you look great. Yeah, yeah, I love you. Yeah. Like, just, yeah. you know, really non-committal. Uh, she's kind of the same, bit more naggy, I guess, but they're both just so out of it. Uh, and she kind of has a few things as well, where she goes to the store and she's refused service, but then they let her have service, and uh, she gets mad and she she argues about you know what retail is supposed to be. She's worked retail and they're supposed to treat the customers this way, and so on and so on. Uh, so there's all this stuff. Um, but ultimately, I think the most exciting things to talk about at this point is the as the manager and the employees of the store because every mm. so often we cut back to them kind of like arranging the mannequins or just generally looking creepy once or twice it looks like they're maybe doing some sort of ritual maybe it's suggesting they're like witches that's, or something like that 
Yeah, like that was my big, uh, I guess, question is like, uh, is all this going on because of them? Like, are they, I don't know, part of like, you know, some weird like coven or doing some type of magic or something? I don't mm-hmm. know. But that leads to the weird scene. Not to be confused with all the other weird scenes in the movie, but <laughs> at least yeah, to, it'd be a little more specific. Yeah, at least to the scene where you talking co- about the fight. No, 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 no. That's the that's oh, okay. the fun scene. The weird scene okay. is when they're dismantling a mannequin, and for some reason, uh, one of the employees, oh. the, the lead employee, sits on its face, like sits on, like yeah. face sits on it, as, as, as if it was sexual, even though obviously, presumably, nothing's happening. The yeah. the manager, the old man manager who's watching gets excited and pulls out his dick and starts masturbating. Which you, <laughs> admittedly, you don't see the dick. The camera comes up just as he's about to pull it out. You see his face during all this. So you, see, you, get, you get to see his, like, you know, his, his old face and all the rest of it. But as he's watching, um, the, uh, the vagina of this mannequin starts to bleed and also has hair. Like it has, like, you know, has some pubic hair and it starts to bleed. And it's still clearly plastic, but there's blood coming out. It's such a surreal goddamn scene. And <laughs> when the employee notices that he's masturbating, she puts her hands in the blood and then licks the blood seductively off her fingers. And then the weirdest part, yes, the weirdest part, even after all this, <laughs> is the ejaculation is when he finishes, we see a slow motion of essentially the, uh, the sperm flying through the air. However... However, it's not actually liquid. It's actually presented as fabric. It's like white ribbon, <laughs> like flying through the air to represent the ejaculation. It's. It was both extremely stupid and silly, but extremely hypnotic and like mesmerizing at the same time. I, I don't even have words to describe this like three minute sequence. Yeah, I don't know. It's uh, yeah, I'm surprised that you you know thought that was weird but uh i don't know i, uh, sorry, I okay. like i've seen this before oh really okay tim just 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 for medical reasons uh uh your ejaculate is it is it fabric because if it is you should probably go to a doctor um yeah i mean i don't it's a little personal i don't need to get into what my you know gravy is or is not i guess gravy no gravy <laughs> comes out the other end tim something's wrong something's wrong <laughs> the gravy comes out the back <laughs> uh, yeah high class know. high class podcast here i know yeah. uh keep it classy uh so all the weird things oh, uh, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think though like you said though um yeah like it is yeah, like a lot of stuff in this movie, it easily could have come off maybe cheesier than it is, but it is directed very well that, you know, even the stuff that's really weird or crazy, there is kind of like a haunting, hypnotic, uh, you know, feel to it that actually does, you know, <laughs> while uh, maybe it might frustrate people <laughs> because it's so weird or trying to make sense of it. But like, I feel like the one thing you can't deny, though, is that it does like look and sound great when it's happening. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and there's a lot of stuff in the second half with, uh, with Reg kind of like being hypnotized because one of the key details that comes up when he's, when uh, the girlfriend comes out wearing the dress and says, how do I look? He says, oh, it looks good. Uh, maybe try it with tights. And 
he's, she says, well, why? And he's like, well, because it may be cold outside. Because it's, you know, because this is the weird thing, actually. It's weird that we're doing this right now because it's actually set right after Christmas. It's like set at the end of December, oh, yeah. start of January. Um, and she says, oh, you know, I hate tights. They, they itch my legs. And like that feels like such a throwaway little thing at first right but it becomes very clear that he has a fetish for tights that he's not being satisfied by because his girlfriend doesn't wear tights because he ends up getting tranced by mannequins at one point that are wearing like stockings and then later on when there's like an ad playing for for the, the department store he just sits there in a trance uh it's, 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 yeah it's just just it's just i don't know like it, it again it really plays in this idea of like he has this un unfulfilled desire and the dress is kind of like made him kind of obsess about it and kind of like lock into it uh <laughs> to his demise and then likewise at the store um basically the uh, the girlfriend's desire seems to be to be like thinner because her nightmare or her dream is about being thinner and thinner and like she keeps she's looking at like a clothes catalog and it she and it's her in the catalog and every time she turns the page she keeps getting thinner and thinner until the point she's basically a skeleton uh and she's at the clothes store at the end of the movie and she gets trapped in the in the changing room she's just she's trying on some stuff in the changing room and basically a fight breaks out in the store at the counter uh, between two women who think they both deserve to be served first like yeah. that's basically it and i actually i thought this, this fight was hilarious because it starts off with uh just someone like taking like the, the item like it was like a bra and just throw it to just threw it in the ground said no i'm going first so the second yeah. woman spits in the face of yeah. woman number one and then woman number two retaliates or so woman number one retaliates by slapping woman number two so then woman number two punches are square in the nose and that's the point where it almost became kind of funny because it was just so surreal and over the top how, how quickly this escalated to like absurd violence to the point where there's actually like a riot in the store and people are grabbing items for free the store's on fire uh yeah. babs the the, the the fiance is trapped in the changing room because the, the lock broke and she presumably burns to death in the final moments of the movie uh, much like we saw earlier, the, the the employee goes into this weird elevator thing. This like it's just, it was like an elevator for for uh, for items, not for people. You know, she's kind of has to like squeeze into it. It, it kind of looks like a dumbwaiter. Yeah, it's like a white dumbwaiter. Yeah, uh, and she goes in, and as she's going down with the mannequin, we see like through like the vents as she's going down, we see Sheila and then Reg and then Babs all helping sew the dress as if it's continually being sewn in this kind of like interdimensional place. And yeah. that's why the dress, no matter what happens to it or around it, doesn't get damaged, you know, because after the dog attack, it wasn't ripped, it wasn't bitten. Uh, after, you know, the ending here where everything burns down, it's still perfectly fine. And, and it's almost implying that the souls of the people that it takes are then, like, like committed for eternity to keep making it and keep repairing it uh, in yeah. this other dimension. And I noted one little detail that I quite liked is that in the catalogue, it said that the colour of it was artery red. And at the end of the movie, when you see them sewing it, you can see the other end of the thread is actually hooked into their arm. So it's almost like their actual blood is becoming the fabric of the dress. Mm. So that was a nice little touch. That's cool. Yeah, and then the final shot of the movie is just the the, the place is burned down, but the, the red dress is perfectly fine and preserved. And, and I forget, at some point, though, they... I don't know, kind of hint at some backstory or something when they're looking at the catalog and they see, like, the model in the dress and they mm. mention something about how that model died or whatever. Yeah, they mentioned the model died, and this was what she was wearing. Uh, well, this is, you know, just, at least, yeah. I, I don't know if they're, if it's just that's one of the victims. 
Yeah, that's why I wasn't yeah. sure if uh, if she like was what started it, like then, uh, or if it was no. There's something about the dress already before then, and she was like the first or whatever. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Like these people who work here, like did they create the dress or are they just in like or did the dress already exist and they service it? Like yeah. they worship whatever the dress is or where it comes from, kind of thing. It's a very good point. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like in this movie, like even though no one does anything wrong by buying a dress, because she just wants a new dress for a date, that's all sure. it is. Um, yeah. But it feeds on her other desires, and by the end of the movie, like all the shoppers are rioting, uh, and the place burns yeah. down because this uh, constant thirst for for things is maybe I don't know unsustainable. I guess. <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> uh, but it, it plays upon a lot of their wants and needs that they have otherwise, and it kind of like feeds into that, and it makes them think that the the dress can fix it almost essentially. Um, yeah. You know, the dress can fix uh, her dating life, Sheila, or the dress can uh, fix what she how she feels about her figure and her weight uh, for for Babs. Uh, and then Reg is a little bit different, but you know, I guess for him, it just it makes him think that you know someone in stockings, you know, that's this yeah. temptation to stray from his his girlfriend. Uh, is what he wants. Like it kind of preys upon what they want anyway, uh, or maybe things that they didn't realize they wanted until, you know, until it kind of opened their eyes to it. It makes them obsessed by it. So, sure. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's the movie. <laughs> I, I guess it's also kind of a bit of vanity as well, I suppose, in a sense. Even yeah. e- even though they're not necessarily vain themselves in the movie, but I, I guess you could say there's kind of like a a metaphor almost for like. You know, I have to be in that dress because in that dress I'll feel better, I'll feel confident, and I'll feel yeah. this. I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't have it figured out. I'm, I'm kind of spitballing <laughs> ideas, just going over what's in the movie. You know, no, like I, I can see that kind of stuff uh, in it. I, I think the thing that's kind of weird though is like it's like uh, I, I mean, Reg and Babs, like yeah, I have less of a, a take on, but like Sheila though, like. She really doesn't seem like a bad person. Like she seems oh, no. like a pretty good person. So it does seem kind of weird, like, you know, that she's getting kind of like this, you know, ironic, like, you know, ending or whatever to it. it's like, well, yeah, she didn't deserve that. But I think it's notable that it's right after she kind of achieves what she wanted, because the last scene she has before she she drives to her boyfriend's house is she's saying, no, I'm going to meet my friend and staying over. And he's like, wait, I thought he was just a friend. And she's like, no, he's more than that. And she kind yeah. of puts her foot down and says, no, I'm having this. I'm having a relationship and you will have yeah. to kind of like back me up in this. And it's when she achieves, she truly achieves that in her family life that the, 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 it's like, okay, that's it. You got what you wanted. Now the dress is coming for you or the, or the yeah. mannequins are coming for you. Right? Like it, it almost felt like once it, it was like, a, it's like a monkey's paw thing. It's like she almost sold her soul to have yeah. this wish fulfilled. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost like the the dress can only exist on someone that has, um, you know, so, that isn't like self actualized or whatever. Mm. And once they achieve, you know, whatever desired is they they need, or once they are actually content, that's when it has to move on to another victim. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and maybe the reason why everything goes chaos in the store at the end is because is because Babs kind of like fates the 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 clerk. She kind of like yeah. stands up and says, "No, you have to do this, this, and this," and um and whatever and tries to give it back or whatever. I don't know. Like um but like there's a lot in this movie to kind of dissect <laughs> and maybe come to some actual sort of conclusion. Cause I I do think I don't think it's a movie that doesn't have like some movies you think are a bit pretentious and it's like they don't really have like what they're sure. trying to like pedal. 
but I think this movie does have it there. I think it's just going to take a bit more, maybe some uh, some analysis from some people who are a bit more well versed in a couple of specific topics than us. But uh, you know, this is an interesting one. Um, I, I definitely think 2019 has been kind of a rough year for horror movies overall. I don't, I don't think you know the. I, obviously we're f- filling out a little bit now but like i'm a little worried about the top 10 not being 10 movies that I, I genuinely like and i think i will happily take this uh over a lot of movies that we had in 2019 for being something sure. and trying t- something <clears throat> and having something to say and having a good sense mm-hmm. of style uh that is more than i can say for a lot of 2019 horror movies oh yeah definitely uh yeah at least it does stand out and um again like i don't think necessarily everything about this worked for me but um yeah like you said i would gladly take it over just some generic thing that you know we've seen time and time again like at at least the prodigy yeah yeah the silence (laughs) yeah the Uh, curse of why yorona yeah at least it is trying to you know be something different or stand out and have like a unique voice and vision like uh again those even when those don't totally always work i'd gladly take those over something that just feels like the same old shit you've seen again and again and yeah talking about 2019 like um you, you know we're catching up we still have some stuff to find so hopefully you know it would be nice if we maybe get a few more hidden gems but i yeah, top ten might be hard. I, I do think there's a pretty solid top five that I can yeah you know think of, but yeah, ten might might be a little tough. I, at least tougher than the last couple of years that we've been doing this. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what it's like when we get there. But uh, that is in fabric. A uh, movie that I would say I liked. Uh, a bit over long. I, I I could do with it being like twenty minutes shorter probably. Uh, but yeah. Um, Overall, I would say I liked it, and I think it was an interesting watch that kept me kind of, you know, like, into it. So, uh, yeah. what are you giving in fabric, Tim? Uh, I... Yeah, I, I mean, if it comes down to it, I would say I probably liked it. Like, uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to say that I didn't like it, but... Um, there, there was its fair share of stuff that... Um, you know, I, I was nitpicking and stuff. Uh, so I, I think I'm going to give it a, a six point. Yeah, I guess six point five. Um, it's uh, again, the the direction, the music, the style, the tone, like all that is really good. So like, you know, if you, know, you want to watch something that just has general, you know, good filmmaking, uh, that'll definitely yeah, hit your spot for it. Uh, I, I think there's definitely issues with, um, yeah, some story stuff and uh you know, lengthwise. And, and again, I don't necessarily like it being split in two. I think maybe again, e- either going full on anthology or just focusing on, you know, one set of characters, I, I think would have been more helpful uh, in my opinion, but um, no, I, I still think it is definitely like really interesting and, you know, worth checking out at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I I'm a bit more positive. I, I think the art house feel of it really appeals to me a bit more than you. But um, and there's cool little touches at one point because every so often it'll cut to like the, the commercial again. Uh, and there's oh, right, there's right. one point where like a creepy woman's hand just sort of like slaps on top of it, and that was kind of a little <laughs> you know a little jolt. I was like, oh, that was creepy. Yeah. Uh, so I am going to go with seven point five. Uh, I think. It's unique and interesting enough and has a lot of cool atmospheric 
touches and it's genuinely really funny in places so uh, I, i'll go to 7.5 for now it's the sort of thing that might go up if i get around to watching it again at some point in the future so uh in fabric uh there you go you can of course let us know what you think of in fabric in the comments below if you've seen it you can like and subscribe and you can ding the bell on youtube for notifications you can support what we do you can get us on twitter of course uh, at screams midnight you can rate the podcast on apple podcast give us five stars more people will find us that way you can of course support us financially we mentioned earlier on patreon.com slash tv so go and have a look at that um you know otherwise though uh, check out all the stuff that mail tv do uh with a science fiction movie podcast called the atomic cinema experiment uh, that i do with tara so check out that uh check out the dc comics podcast comics from the multiverse that i do with matt and connor uh so if you're interested in that, any of that stuff go and have a look see plus we do a bunch of tv reviews and stuff so go and have a look uh but otherwise that is us so thank you once again for watching or listening we always appreciate it keep watching scary movies guys and we will see you next time.